Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in the sermon series called The Gift as he dives into God's Word and talks about the true gift of Christmas. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. All right, everybody, welcome to Impact Church. How are we doing this morning? Good? Everybody excited to be in the house of the Lord? Hey, it's a new year. you got to be excited. Come on. All right? So here we go. Getting in our uh, message for today. We're finishing up, wrapping up a, a four-week series that we've done here over the Christmas holiday called The Gift. And we've taken a specific look at the Christmas story up until now. And we've seen the significance that there is inside even things that we just brush over at Christmas time. Like when you see nativity scenes and on Christmas cards and stuff, you always see shepherds. You always see wise men. And, and we just know they're there. And for the most part, for the most of us, they're just characters we can dress up like in a play or something. And we didn't know that there's significance in that. So we saw from God's word that there is huge significance in the shepherds and why they were there, that God was even speaking through that to all the way down to the time of day that the angel approached them, to the vicinity, to the area they were in uh, around Jerusalem. What a huge message that was. And then also the week after, we talked about the wise men, the significance of uh, their part in this Christmas story. Why did God bring them into this? There's, there's no mention or talk about them afterwards. What was the deal? And we went back through God's word and we saw that these wise men were, were some of the, the people that were influenced back in the Babylonian empire when Nebuchadnezzar had taken over Judah and brought Israelites into Babylon. And this dude by the name of Daniel, you remember him, who ended up in the lion's den for standing for his faith, was a huge influencer over the magi, the wise men of that time. So we see this remnant of, of people that heard the gospel, of, of heard the truth of God's word because somebody stood for the Lord in a godless culture. There's a message, isn't it? So if you missed all that, go back and check that out. Even if, though it's after Christmas, you'll find significance in that. Then, of course, last week, talking about the significance of the manger and the birth of Christ and how that was uh, all the prophecies of old being shown and put forth. It was God screaming from the rooftops, I am God. You can trust me. I am faithful. What a huge message that was. So now we want to lead into today's message as we wrap this up. And it's called The Gift That Keeps On Giving. The gift that keeps on giving, because we know the gift, as you see this Christmas present up here, the real gift is the manger. It is Christ inside. It is God come in the flesh for us, the Savior of all mankind. But, you know, every kind of Christmas season, people are looking for something that has some real significance, that has meaning that lasts longer than, than its first being revealed, Right? Like you, like, you get really excited about the gift that you know somebody's not just going to kind of use, play with for a day or a week, but it's something they're going to use months down the road, maybe even years. It's going to last forever, and there's significance in that. I want to tell you today that there's significance beyond just the revealing of Christ in a manger because he is the gift that keeps on giving. Have you found that gift 
Do you have it? And if you do, how do you know you have it? Do you feel the significance of that gift? Has it kept on giving in your life? Let's look at that. What, is the, what are biblical ways that Christ still gives beyond his revelation of the, the manger so many years ago? We're going to look at that because everyone is searching for something. And unfortunately, too many people are searching for what they're looking for in the wrong places. And they're constantly, because of that, being left empty inside and being want to, to find more of the things of this world that the things that people say are going to make them happy and fill them up. But yet it leads to more destruction and pain and emptiness. So what is the gift that keeps on giving? As we enter this new year, and we know this is a great time of year because people always look for something new. They want something new in their life. They, they want a, a new reason to, to be, Right? And, and a lot of it's because we get stuck in a rut, don't we? I mean, we get maybe doing the same old stuff and, and going through the, do, doing the same old habits, maybe some of them bad habits that we, we know we don't want to do. We got in this rut, and so this new year brings this kind of idea of new birth and, and, and new year's resolution, right, that we want to look at. So everybody's looking for something new because so often we get caught in the mundane, the lackadaisical, the just going through the motions. Years ago, there, there was a, a movie called Groundhog Day, and I don't recommend you watch it because I didn't even watch the whole thing myself. I, I just, like, turned it off. But it was this scenario where the same thing would happen day after day after day after day after day. And so many times we get caught up feeling like that. And so if we do that, and then that infiltrates our heart and our mind that, that really there's, there's no purpose, we're just going through the motions what happens is we end up just breathing to death. And that's not what God wants us to do. That we're going to see today that God, through Christ, wants to give us something. All right. Turn with me here on this first Sunday in January to the end of your Bible, the book of Revelation. How, man. First day, new year, end of the book. All right. Almost to the last chapter or two. So we're going to be in chapter 21 and we're going to read verses 1 through 7. And it's a passage that you're probably familiar with and hearing. And I want you to hear again the significance and the newness that's brought inside of this. And this is the end of the book. And God is talking about being new. Listen to this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end. 
I will give of the foundation of the water of life. I'll give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. I hope you hear the heart of God for new life, for restoration, for making all things new in this passage. The reason why Christ came ultimately to bring new life for us, to, to be redeemed, restored, renewed, to, to bring God's people back into himself, as to be the, the, the just dying for the unjust as a penalty for our sin, taking that punishment. But then in all, to at one day be victorious over hell, death, and the grave, and to make all things new and restored back to how God intended before sin. And you see this whole theme of being new that God wants us to see. So when we look specifically at what is the gift that Christ continues to give to us through his existence, through his revelation, through his incarnation, where God came in the flesh, what, what do we get? What, what is it for? First and foremost, we're going to go through five things that are all going to be linked together. And all these things are things that Christ gives, and all these things that we're going to talk about continuously give themselves. They provide hope. They provide energy. They provide desire. They provide motivation, or at least they should if you're truly in Christ. They're the gifts that keep on giving. First one is the thing that you should be most thankful for because you did nothing to earn it, and that's your salvation. If you've received Christ, if you have made him Lord of your life, that's the first gift that you've been called to receive is your salvation, to be a, a new creation. And I love Ephesians chapter 2, and of course you've heard this passage as well in verse 8, where it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. It's not of works, so that no one can boast. Salvation is a gift of God. There is nothing you can do to earn it. Do you earn your gift at Christmas time? Of course, we know the song says, you know, Santa you do, because if you're bad, naughty, you don't get one. But we know that's, that's I'm talking about the real gift, that your mom and dad got you. Because if, if that was the case and your behavior determined what, whether you got coal in, in your stocking or a real gift, we, we would all get coal, right? The same is true of God. If we got what we truly deserved, we would get pain, destruction, we would get the punishment that was put on Jesus. That's what we deserve. But instead, he gave us life. He gave us salvation and hope in him. And it wasn't because of anything in us. It was all because of him. But I love, I love, I love verse 9. Because, yes, it's a gift. It's not of work so that no one can boast. But at the same breath, at the same flip, then Paul says this, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, for you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to walk in them, to do. Do you hear that? You don't do good works to get saved, but let me tell you something, church. If you really are saved, it'll change you and you will do good works because you're saved. Make no mistake about it, that the, the sanctified life will be 
evident. Some of us, maybe more slowly than others, because we're a little more stubborn. Don't know about your husband, all right? So some of us, the sanctification process is slower or faster, but you will see change and progress in your life because that's salvation. I love, and we know 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God wants to make you new. And we know even you go back to Old Testament, the same theme in that. If you look at Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, God's talking about how he wants to put a new heart in you and give you a new spirit. He wants to remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And then he says this, I will put my spirit in you, capital S, and give you now a desire to follow my decrees and laws. That means he wants to give you a desire to follow his word. That's salvation. Do you have a new motivation and desire to do and follow God's word? The Bible says if you're saved, you do. That you don't just make excuses for sin and, and, and run to the teachers that tickle your ears and, and, and explain your sin to you and so you feel comfortable in it. You let the word of God convict you and move you, not through condemnation, what the enemy wants to, to give, but to give conviction that moves you and sets you on a new path. That's the beauty of this salvation. That's what Jesus came to give. Have you been set new today? If not, God wants to set you new right now. I love the, the movie, The Passion, and if you remember that, if you've seen that, there was this part where, where Christ he, he had been beaten. He had been flogged with the cat of nine tails. The crown of thorn was upon his head, and he was carrying the cross through the town and, and heading to Calvary. And at one point, he fell down, if y'all remember that scene in the movie. And his mom, Mary, was over there, and he saw him fall, and then she had flashbacks to when he was little, and he fell and scraped his knee, and she was looking upon his son, her son beaten and bruised, but she knew he was God in the flesh. And she, she went running to him like a, like a mother would, and, and Jesus was on the ground, and he looks up, and, and Mary kind of looks at him, and he grabs Mary's face, and he says, see, mother, I make all things new. And he stands up and he picks up his cross and starts moving again. Boy, I know that's just a movie, but that moved me. That he's here. He went through all that to make us new. So why would we live in the old and stay in the mundane and live a, a purposeless existence and be quiet about our faith when God wants us to be new and shine the light of Christ? Your salvation is the gift that keeps on giving. Second one is linked to that because you're, if you're truly saved and you're in Christ, you now have an identity. You see, there's a world, I don't have to tell you this, that's trying to figure out who they are. We talked about a little bit of that in our counterculture series, how, how the enemy has come in and, and placed this attack on God's creation, even from Genesis, where God created a male and female and in the image of God. And, and people are now so confused, they don't even know what gender they are. And they're confused, and they don't know what their sexual identity is. And people are searching for their identity, and, and, they're, and they're listening to the world to, to let them, the world tell them who they are. And, oh, well, if you didn't like to play with baby dolls when you were a little girl and you like to play with trucks, well, that means you're this. Hogwash. That's a lie. That has nothing to do with it. 
But Satan's in there and he's trying to confuse people on their identity. And then even deeper, people go through life trying to figure out who they are. And even if it doesn't go so deep as you're trying to figure out your gender or your sexual identity, maybe you're solid on that, he's going to confuse you about your identity in other ways. Just the same. That your identity is about your success. And what the world says is make you successful. How much money you have, what type of job you have, who your friends are. Did you make the sorority or the fraternity or not? Are you the starter on the football team, baseball team? Do you make the cheerleading squad? What's your, it wants us to put our identity in the things of this world. And if you or I put our identity in the things of this world, we are going to be empty inside. Because you may have some success, but at some point, you're going to fall. At some point, you're not going to make the team. At some point, you're going to lose your job. At some point, the economy's going to crash. What do you got then? If all of who you are is wrapped up in the things of this world and the things of this world pass away, who are you then? You see, Christ came with the gift that keeps on giving so we could find our identity in him so that constantly, day after day, we have a gift of identity that restores us, renews us, that gives us focus on who we really are. Do you feel like you matter? Honestly, do you feel like you matter? I want to tell you today, if you feel like you don't matter, you've been lied to by the enemy. If you feel like you don't matter, you've been lied to, and you've believed it. Because that's not of Christ. That's not of the gift that keeps on giving, because you matter. Because God created you with significance. So let me ask you this. Is there focus in your life? Is there focus in your faith? Is there an idea of destiny in your desires? Because Christ wants to leave a legacy through your life. I don't know if you know that or not. And you are important. You are significant. I love Galatians 2.20 with, with Paul screaming out. It says, for I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the, for the Son of God who loves me and gave his life for me. What's Paul saying there? You want to find your true identity and who you are? Lose yourself in Jesus. Crucify your flesh. Crucify yourself. Stop living for fleshly desires and the things of this world and live for Jesus and you'll find true identity and who God created you to be. So many people are trying to figure it out the wrong way. So much so people figure out the world likes or desires a certain type of person or a certain celebrity or whatever, and, you tr and they try to be that person. Try to look like them, talk like them, dress like them, get their hair done like them. If that was the case, Dwayne Johnson and The Rock would be about all I could get, right? <laughs> but I mean, I remember when I was young, I, I, even, I loved to play sports and, and, and basketball when I was real young, and middle school was my thing, and eventually it became football. But when I was in middle school and basketball, there was this dude by the name of Michael Jordan that used to play basketball. <laughs> Amazing athlete, the GOAT, the best that ever played, the best that ever will play. Don't debate me on that, all right? I grew up in the 80s. It is. It is what it is, okay? But I remember I wanted to be like him on the basketball court. And I mean, I tried my best. The problem was his vertical was like 48 inches and mine was like 4.8. But it's okay. I did everything I could to look like him, to be like him, to play like him. And unfortunately, today, 
although that's cool and that's great when we have like mentors or, or people we want to emulate, that, that's, we need that in a healthy way, all right, for Christ. But what I'm getting at is too many people want to look like that in the world's way and not in a godly way. They're looking for, they have to, to fit in to, to look like the, the ladies on the magazines and on TV, but, or, or they're not significant or they have no identity and self-worth. And Satan's behind that, and he's trying to steal our identity. Some people would say, well, man, if I had all the money a lot of these people have and the fame and the, and the possessions and the relationships and everything they have, I wouldn't want to be tr- trying to be like them. And if that's the case, then I would tell you your heart's in the wrong place and you have the wrong focus. Because if you think that somehow getting what they have is going to make you feel significant— then you've been lied to, and you've believed it. You said, Brad, will prove it. How many celebrities, athletes, musicians that have everything the world says is going to make you and me happy? They have it all. How many of them have ended up in drug addiction, alcoholism, suicide, taking their life, depression, proves it a lie right there, doesn't it? So it should redefine and refocus what you really think is important and what you're really looking for, who you want to be. Because if you really want to emulate somebody, you need to emulate Christ. And that's who you need to find your identity in. Because God's got the blueprint to your life. He created you. He made you. Did you hear Ephesians 2? That you were created as God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. It's beautiful. Yeah, even the fire department knows it. So God wants you to know that you are special. That I mean, you can look at your thumbprints for years of ministry, going all over, doing evangelism, man, and speaking to a lot of detention homes and kids and everywhere. Man, I would always bring up the fact to get people to look at their thumbprint. Man, you can look at it now, and you know you've got all these lines and details on them, and, and nobody in here has the same thumbprint as you. Nobody in the entire world has the same thumbprint as you. Are you kidding me? No, not only, not only nobody in the world now, nobody that's ever existed has the same thumbprint as you. Billions and billions and billions and billions of people. And you want to tell me you're not special. You want to tell me God doesn't have a specific design and plan for your life. If he went through the trouble of making you, your life, even your thumb, so detailed as to identify you, why wouldn't you think your very life and your soul is that unique as well? I want to tell you it is. So why would you want to be somebody else? Because truth be known, if you went to that person's spouse or their parents, they would probably tell you the world doesn't need another one of them anyway. <laughs> and all the women in the house about their husbands said, amen. That's what I thought. <laughs> but guys, don't try to be somebody else. Be who God created you to be because you are special and unique. And God's created you with, with what our next point is, purpose. So if you are saved, you're in Christ, you now have this new identity. Out of this identity now gives you the next gift that keeps on giving, and that's purpose. Do you have purpose in your life? What is your purpose? Why do you exist? Have you answered that question yet? 
It's not just to, to make money. It's not just to, just to be a, a mom or a dad alone. That's part of it. Why are you here? You ever thought about that? Why did God place you here? Because I want to tell you that if you don't figure out your purpose, that you're going to live a very meaningless existence. And if you haven't defined your purpose, maybe you need to go back to what we talked about first already, and that's your identity. And if you don't have your identity, maybe you need to go back and check that salvation part. Because they're all linked, and they're all defined. God wants to give us purpose, because life without it is a lifeless existence. If you live a life without purpose, that would be like just going on a Sunday afternoon drive every day. I don't know about you guys, I, I like to drive. I, a lot of my jobs driving as a home health physical therapist. I love to drive. I'm okay with that. A lot of you probably like to drive when you, you know, and it's kind of exciting. Sometimes you take off, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. You just want to go drive the parkway. You really know nowhere to go. And you're just seeing the scenery in the beautiful area we live, right? That's great on occasion. But what if you did that every single day? Nowhere to go. No purpose on why you're in the car driving. You're just driving to drive. Would it get old? 100%. Too many of us live our life like that. It's like we're just in the car going nowhere every single day with no purpose, with no drive within our heart when God wants to give us the drive and give us the purpose. Because we, again, like we talked at the beginning, we get caught up in the mundane, doing the same old thing, right? All of us do. You wake up in the morning, you get out of that same old bed and you go to that same old bathroom and brush your same old teeth, or if you're from West Virginia, same old tooth. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. And if you're off to work or school, you go get in the same old car, right? You drive down the same old roads that you drive down every single day. You go in the same old building, do the same old job, beside the same old people, and at the same old time of day, you leave and go back and get in the same old car, drive back down the same old roads, go back in the same old house, hear the same old noise from the same old kids, you sit in the same old chair, flip through the same old programs, and around the same old time of night, you go back and get in that same old bed, and then you get up and do it again. If that's all life is, I wouldn't want to live either. So what drives you? Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with routine if routine is tied to purpose. Do you have purpose in why you get out of that same old bed and go through that same old routine every day? What drives you? It better not just be money in the things of this world like we talked about. It better be something bigger than that. I want you to think about it. What if what drove you every day was to, for you to shine the light of Christ everywhere you went, no matter how you felt, no matter what was going on in your life, that joy, purpose, and significance was brought in Christ and him alone. Would that change your life? Would that change your attitude? It should drive you. It should drive you to know that you have been given a purpose to be put on mission. Proverbs 29, 18, you're familiar with that. It says, where there's no vision, the people perish, right? In the old, in the 
King James, if you look in the New King James, it says where there's no revelation. That means where there's no direction, no purpose. The people kind of come unraveled. They're unloosed. It's just like there's no direction. They're just free. They're just wandering. Are you just breathing to death? Or are you truly living for Christ? Do that in this new year. Because God wants to instill this drive and this passion and this fire and this desire in you. Why? To bring him maximum glory, to expand his kingdom, and to give you the significance that you're looking for. To be part of something bigger than yourself. The fourth thing that this brings along that's all tied together, the fourth gift that keeps on giving, is your calling. That's what Jesus came to bring. He came for you to have salvation. He came to give you identity. He came to give you purpose. And he came to call you to something. What is your calling? What has God called you to do? I'm going to tell you right now, your calling is tied up in your purpose. Your purpose and our purpose can be a more general purpose of the gospel. But inside this general purpose, God gives a direct calling. That's like a customized little deal for you. That I've made this specifically for you, for how I wired you, for the gifts I gave you. What's your calling? Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good. What? All things, no, no, all things are good. All things work together for good. How? Why? To those who love God and to those who are what? Called according to what? His purpose. Oh, you mean not my purpose? Not the world's purpose for me? Not my boss's purpose for me? Not my coach's purpose for me? All things work to good only if we love God and we're called according to his purpose. Is your calling linked to his purpose? Or is your calling linked to your purpose? If your calling's linked to your purpose, you're going to be empty. You're not going to feel significant. And you're always going to be searching. You're only going to find your true purpose and your true calling in Christ. Because he created you. Right? We know that. What kind of manufactured product tells the manufacturer what it was made for? Right? It doesn't happen. A spoon doesn't tell the creator, you should have made me a fork. I want it to be a knife. It doesn't happen. The manufacturer, the creator, tells the created product what it's created for. And too many times we don't have and walk in and know our purpose and our calling because we're trying to tell the creator why we were created and what we were created to do. And we wonder why we're all jacked up inside when things don't go our way in life. It's because we've lost vision. And the Bible says we perish when that happens, perish inside even. We breathe to death. When God came to give us life and give us to the full is what he said in John 10. So living inside your purpose and your specific calling should give you motivation. It should be a reason for you to breathe every day no matter what else is going on. Your calling will drive you if you know it. I promise it will. 
Because I can unassuredly and undoubtedly tell you I know what God has called me to do now. So what that means is no matter how hard it gets, no matter how impossible it seems, I can't quit. In my flesh, I want to quit. Because believe me, this is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And then have people kick you in the corner and punch you in the stomach along the way. People that call themselves sheep. Sheep bite. And if I wasn't called to this, I'd have quit a long time ago. I can go back to full-time physical therapy, make more money, and work less days a week. Duh, who wouldn't do that? But if I'm called, I've got a new purpose. I've got something that drives me, motivates me, and reassures me that it's going to be okay because it's the one who's faithful that called me. What is the one who's faithful called you to do? And it doesn't have to be this. You see, we've got so messed up in our life by saying our calling has to be the ministry and full-time ministry. That is such a lie from the enemy. We're all called to be his ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20, every single one of us, not just the pastors, the preachers, that verse says, every single one of us. And if it's, it's like God's making, his appeal to others through us is what that verse says. So who is God trying to make his appeal to through you, but you haven't answered the call? Who is it at work? Who is it at school? Who is it on your ball team? Who is it at the grocery store, the gas station where you are every day? Who is God trying to appeal to others through, but you haven't picked up the phone? You're still trying to call yourself to what you want to do, to what's comfortable for you. Man, I believe me, I'm not acting like I got it all together because I ran from this for two years. We could probably already be in a building if I'd have answered the call on day one. It's my fault we're still in this tent with water and mud on the floor. Blame me. I don't know. But it's so easy to run from. But if we put our total trust and faith in his call and the one who called us, it'll give you a new reason for getting out of bed every day. It'll drive you no matter what is going on in your life and no matter how hard it is and no matter what COVID's doing and this and the other. You've got a new purpose for life. There's no time for anything else because you realize it's the fourth quarter and God's trying to appeal to others before his imminent return. Before his second coming. Wouldn't it be a horrible thing to be given life on this earth, to be given this type of purpose and calling and identity and to be searching for it somewhere else that only comes up short and to miss out on everything that God came to give you. Wouldn't it be a shame? It is a shame. And it's what a large majority of people that you and I are around every day are doing. They're missing the gift. And some of them are even in church. That should break our heart even more. They're in the place where they should be finding what they're looking for. But somehow they've been deceived and, and to falling for a Jesus that, that is made up in their head or made up by, by some preacher who's not preaching the word of God right and, and thinking that they have a salvation that they don't have. And they're still tied to their sin and tied to their own destruction, 
trying to make excuses for it, thinking they can have their sin in Jesus too. And that's not the Bible. That's not the gospel. Oh, he said Jesus didn't go to the cross to give you a ticket, a free ticket to sin. He didn't do it. He went to the cross to set you free from sin, not to continue wallowing in it. God wants to lift you out. That's why he sent his son, so that now we could have new life. We're called to be God's ambassadors. And your calling's way bigger, or it should be, than just your job. My calling's way bigger than this, just this job. It's about eternity. It's about souls that need to be discipled so that others can see Christ in them. That's what it's about. It's not about making sure the bills are paid and making sure the dirt gets dug and the trees get taken down and the building goes up and all those things I'll get blamed for if it don't go wrong anyway. I don't know why, right? <laughs> you can laugh because you will. I thought we was getting in a building sooner than this. What's wrong? That's not what this job's about. It's about making disciples, preaching God's truth and word. And then so you can go make disciples. And so you can affect others with the gospel. That's what it's about. So do you have and know your godly divine purpose and calling? Because you won't live one truly happy day until you find it. Until you know it. You'll always be searching. You'll always be searching. The fifth thing that we want to point out, the gift that keeps on giving, is connection. Christ came that we could be connected to something bigger than just ourselves. You see, up till now, we've talked about you and us individually. And yes, it's about you, but it's not all about you. So yes, you're significant. Yes, you're meaning. But you're not it. And you're not all. I think we got a great example in, a, in the, the sports that we love to watch. And, of course, it's football season. I got a football for a brain, so I always relate to football. But I'm going to tell you that there's, you can think of the, maybe the greatest quarterback that some would say to ever live, Tom Brady. He's going to have to get more fingers to put more rings on before he's done, right? Would Tom Brady do anything and be anything significant by himself on that football field? Nope. Oh, you mean he needs some other 10 guys on the field? Yep. But is Tom Brady still significant? Yes, he is. But not by himself. Let's relate that to us in the body of Christ. Are you still significant? We just went through a lot of reasons to say you are. But are you significant by yourself? Apart from the body of Christ? Apart from the church that you need to get it plugged into and attend every week regularly? Are you significant outside of that? Mm -mm. We need each other. God created us with all this salvation, identity, purpose, calling, to then be connected, to come together. It's like the pieces of a puzzle. The pieces of a puzzle are all significant. Because if you've ever put together a puzzle and you've lost a piece under the couch, it's frustrating, isn't it? That last piece was important. But at the beginning, it didn't seem important because you had a thousand pieces on the floor. But once you got down to it and it was the one that was missing, oh, how you wish you had it. 
That's what Christ is calling and saying to you. You may feel insignificant in the mass sea of humanity that God has to choose from, but I'm going to promise you right now with the picture that God's trying to put together, if your piece of the puzzle isn't in there, it's not going to look like it could. And you may say, well, man, my piece of the puzzle is so insignificant. Just like in a puzzle, right? You have some pieces that have a lot of detail on them, right? Like they're the ones with all the whatever. And then you got some pieces of the puzzle that maybe if you've got a, a picture that's got a bunch of grass or an ocean or a bunch of the sky, you've got a bunch of pieces that just, eh, they're all the same color. And maybe you feel like that's one of your puzzle pieces. You know, Brian, I'm just, I'm just one of those blue pieces of puzzle in the sky. What difference does it make? It makes a big difference if you're missing. It makes a big difference if you're missing. Because you're significant. You complete God's picture that he wants to do. What if you're missing, even though, let's shrink it back down, because we were talking about the global body of Christ and building God's kingdom. Even inside the local church, even inside this church, God's trying to do an amazing work to reach this community. What happens if you didn't use the gifts that you were given? Maybe you can sing and play an instrument, and you'd be like, man, I should have been up here with them dudes. Well, yes, you should. Why don't you come join the team? So that we can get a rotation, and if somebody's sick again, we got some people up here, more people who still have a second band, whatever. How about kids' ministry? Man, maybe God has you a heart. You love kids. You love to love on kids. We need people to love on some children and share Jesus with them. Man, maybe you're here every Sunday, and maybe you need a place to get plugged in and serve. How about a hospitality team, parking team? What if the piece of your puzzle was missing? Would the the picture that God's trying to to bring to this community through Impact Church, would it look the same without you? No. You are significant. God needs you to step in. And if you don't, you're just going to miss out on what he has for you. And then he'll have to call somebody else to fill your gap. Don't miss out on what God wants you to be a part of. I think Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, as we begin to wrap this and land this plane for today in this sermon series, and it's a passage of Scripture where God's speaking to the prophet Isaiah to the Israelites when they're in captivity, all right? And they're in Babylon, and he's saying this. He says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And this is the final thing that God gives right here is renewed life. He wants to give you a renewed life. Maybe you've been called up in the mundane. Maybe you've been caught up in sin and it's drug you down and, and made you miss out on everything that God has for you. God wants to set you free from all of that right now today. I think it's fascinating here if you look back further in this chapter. Verse 17, God tells them to remember the things, to remember the Red Sea. So there's a point where we have to look back and remember the things God has done in our lives to show us victory, that he is faithful. But then we don't remember the things of old that have drug us down, the sin that wants to entrap and entangle. Because the Israelites are in Babylon because of what? Sin. Because they had fallen away from God. So God allowed the the Babylonians to come and overtake Jerusalem and Judah and destroy the temple. Remember that? It's because of sin. It was consequences. So did God just leave them and condemn them and say, man, I'm through with you? 
no. And let me tell you today, Satan wants to make you think that because you've messed up, because maybe you're living in sin right now, that God's through with you and God's done with you. And I want to let you know that's a lie from the pit of hell, that God's not done, but God's calling you out. God's calling you back. Just like he's calling here to the Israelites out of Babylon and in this next sermon series that we're going into starting next week that I hope you're all here for. And I hope everybody who's online gets well and you can be back in attendance for. Then it's going to be going through the book of Ezra and talking about the return and the rebuild of God's people. Calling them out of captivity of Babylon back into the homeland to rebuild the temple. And we're going to look at God's word through that. And God's calling you back today calling you to something new, calling you to a renewed life, a renewed identity, purpose, calling, connection within the body of Christ. So don't stay stuck in the past because God wants to do a new thing. And I, th- I love it where it says, shall you know it? God wants to do a new thing in your life, in your family, in this church. But will we know it? If we stay stuck on the things that don't matter, we'll never know it. How will you know it? How will you know God's will? How will you know what he's doing, what he wants to do in your life that's new? Romans 12, 1 and 2 has a little idea about that, doesn't it? How do we do it? make ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, that's our proper form of worship. Then, verse 2, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then we'll know what? God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you'll know the new work that he wants to do. So what's the steps? Living sacrifice. Lord, it's not my will, it's your will. I'm laying down my life, my heart, my everything to you. I'm a sacrifice to you to be used for your glory. Now, I'm not going to conform any longer to the patterns of this world. I want you through your spirit to give me the strength to step away from sin, to step away from worldliness, that I can be set apart. And then, then, I want to renew my mind by putting in your word and not the trash of the world of music and movies and everything else that wants to to eat away at the spiritual fabric of my brain. I want to renew my mind in you and then I will know your will. I will know the new work that God wants to do. How about Proverbs 16, 9? In a man's heart, he plans his way, but God directs his steps. You may have your life all planned out ahead of you in your heart, but have you trusted God to direct your steps or are you going to do it? How about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? You know that one, don't you? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. What do we have to do first? Trust in the Lord with what? Some of our heart? All your heart. Don't lean into what? My own understanding? Nope. It ain't going to make sense to you anyway. Don't try to figure it out. Trust God. In all our ways, acknowledge who? Ourself, our money, our finances? No, acknowledge him. He's in control. And then he will direct your paths. You'll know the work that he wants to do in your life. That's the gift that God in a manger came to give you. He came to set you on fire. Love Jeremiah 20 verse 9, the prophet knowing his ministry wasn't popular at the time that people wanted him to shut up. He said, man, basically, if I was tempted to be quiet and not speak in his name, he said, 
His word's in my heart like a fire in my bones, and I can't do it anyway. Do you have that desire in you? I want to tell you, the message of the gospel, the message of the truth of God's word is not popular, and you need it to burn like a fire in your soul because then you can't be quiet. There's no such thing as a secret agent Christian. Not. God didn't call you to the CIA. Mm-mm. He called you to be light and to set it on a lampstand to give light into everybody in the house so that they would see your good works and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. That is what you're called to do and to be. Is there a fire in your heart? A fire in your soul that can't be quenched? Maybe there used to be. And maybe some of the things of the world and the troubles of this life and the focuses that the world puts on other things have snuffed it out. But God wants to rekindle it today. Will you do business with God and get that fire back today? Would you be set on fire? Look at the person beside you right now and tell them, get set on fire. Tell them to get set on fire. Not real fire, but a Holy Spirit fire. Because that will change your everyday existence. And that will change 2022 for you. Because we go back to our Revelation verse, he is the Alpha and Omega. So it doesn't amount matter about no Delta and no Omicron and Epsilon and everything else that comes because Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Put your trust, your hope, and faith in him. He's going to set your path straight in 2022. Nothing else. Will you walk with him? I close with a final verse of scripture that I'm just going to read. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We may talk about it in one of the weeks to come, I'm sure. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded By so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's worthy. He's the gift that keeps on giving. And 2022 is not going to go half of how you expect it if you try to do it without him. Let's bow our head and close our eyes right now. I want to know if there's anybody in this place that maybe you say, Brad, I'm here today, and I don't think I've ever really made Jesus Lord of my life. I've learned about him. Maybe you used to be drugged to Sunday school every day, and you, you know, but you've never made him Lord Maybe you have even had an emotional experience at the altar one day. You shed a few tears. But there's never really been this change, this this new life that we've talked about. Maybe that's because you really didn't surrender. You see, repentance, true repentance that brings salvation, always brings change through Christ and the power of the Spirit of God in you. Do you have that? Let him change you today if you haven't. So if you want to receive him for the first time, I'm going to lead you through a prayer here in a minute. I want you to pray from your heart to God's heart and do business with him. But I want you to understand that it's not just the words. It's not this prayer that saves you. It's not magic. It's your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that you believe and are justified and are saved. You confess him with your tongue, but you surrender and believe with your heart. Will you do that when you pray that prayer? Or if you're here, you say, Brad, I've 
walked in and out of church doors my whole life, and there's been a time where I was on fire for the Lord, man, but lately I'm drifted, I've swayed, I've, I've been put down, and man, I want to come running back to the cross today. Like the prodigal son, I want to, I want to pick myself up out of this pig muck and this mud, and I want to go running back to my father's house today because I want to eat at the table that he's prepared for me. Will you rededicate your life to him today? Right now, and get set on fire if that's you, and pray this same prayer from your heart to God's heart right now to receive him for the first time or rededicate your life to say, Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of you, my Savior. Lord, I've fallen short of your glory, and in a lot of ways, I've messed things up trying to do life on my own. And I'm tired and weary, and I don't want to do life on my own no more. So I'm surrendering all right now. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that, that I could have forgiveness of my sin, that his body was broken, his blood was shed, that I could have forgiveness of my sin, that he took the punishment that was due me. And then three days later, he rose from the grave in victory, proving that he is God. And Lord, I want to claim right now that same victory in my life. Lord, right now I need that. And my commitment to you is for the rest of my life, I live for your glory. That I'm gonna find my identity in you. That I'm gonna find my purpose in you. That I'm gonna answer your call and that I will get connected in the body of Christ and be the puzzle piece that you want me to be. I surrender it all to you right now. Amen, if that's you and you prayed that, you meant business with God today, received him for the first time or you rededicated your life to him boldly, unashamed, would you just raise your hand and say, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God. I came running back to him today or I received him for the first time. Amen. Father, I don't see your hand. It doesn't matter. God does. That's what it's all about anyway. Amen, church. Can we give Jesus a big round of applause? He deserves it. He is the gift, and he's the gift that keeps on giving. So praise God for who he is and what he does. Let's take this word, this message today that we needed for this new year. I needed it. I don't know about you, but I needed to get real refocus where my true identity, where our true purpose, calling, and connection needs to be. So I hope it moved in your heart. Take it, make an impact for Jesus this week, and grab a friend, grab a family member. Let's pack this place out next week. Everybody wash your hands and all that kind of stuff. Get well. Don't bring any germs back. If you're sick next week, watch online, all right? But let's, man, let's charge into 2022 with the gospel and taking hold of everything God has for us. I love you guys. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ. <laughs>